if this does help just one person, one young person to say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to um, the hatred spewed at me. I'm going to be, you know, seeing my beauty and my light. Then it's all worth it. Hi, I'm Mae Edwards, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello and welcome to World Gone Good. My name's Steve and I'm so happy to have you join me today for another new episode. Here's how you can help spread some good. You can catch up on previous episodes, share us with your friends on social media, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us. All these ways help more people find us. And for any or all of those options that you have or have not done or still will do, we say thank you. So, here's a little something about me. I come from an artistic family. My sister is a painter and an artist. My brother is a classical pianist and a composer and a singer. My niece is also an artist just like her mother, and I am a writer and apparently a podcaster. What does all of this have in common? What do all these things in common? These are bad sentences I'm writing for some writer. What do all of these things have in common? See, I am a writer. They have in common communication. Whether it's something that's painted or sketched or played on an instrument or typed on this here laptop, we are communicating and we are doing it through expression of art. My friend May Edwards is a singer, songwriter, composer doing exactly the same. Her newest project is IMLA. Here's a little taste before we dive into our good conversation. What a dream I had last night. An unusual young woman who will soon be on her way to Tinseltown. Another moth to the flame. Another sucker to try her luck in La La Land. Who is this stranger? Let's find out more. What will my tarot cards reveal today? The first card I draw? Oh. Well, today is kind of a reunion in ways. Um... For us, I'm so happy to have you here with me. Oh, it's such an honor. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. Welcome to World Gone Good, where we shine the light into the darkness, maybe look for the light, and remind people that there's a lot of good going on out there. Um, let's start with a really general, big uh, question and work our way into what our talk is going to be about. Who are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself and how you see yourself in the world right now. Well, I am uh, first and foremost a a songwriter and secondly, a storyteller. And uh, I love to um, mix mediums. So um, I'm a video editor um, and also um, because I am a musician, I love to weave the two together because... um, I feel audio is the emotional content and the intellectualized um, component of storytelling is the visual. And so to blend the two, I'm reaching deep into our psyches and um, encouraging each other to feel more together and less alone. So you're a singer, songwriter, or just a songwriter? I'm a singer, yes. I, I can't say that singing is my forte. I am... 
I sing in pitch and in time and all of that, but you know, there's no uh, Christina Aguilera going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I think violin was my first instrument. Um, and so uh, it helps because it's a linear instrument. It's one note at a time, just like uh, vocals are. So I sort of sing like a violin. How many instruments do you play? Um, rudimentarily, I play drums and bass uh, so that I can compose for the um, for the drummer or the bassist to show what I would like. And then uh, violin, I am uh, very proficient with, and guitar is my main composing instrument. Although uh, for this last project, I also um, started playing keyboards and um, composing that way as well. Where did this all begin? Where did this all start? Is the family musically inclined or are you the artsy one? Um, there really isn't too much, um, musicality in my family. My, my brother did, um, he did learn violin and he's the reason why I chose violin. Um, but, um, I think he stopped playing and, and he eventually went on to be a doctor. Um, but he definitely inspired me, but that, that's pretty much it. Uh, your parents, were they musically inclined? Um, you know, just recently I'm learning about my uh, mother. She, um, she's quite the, uh, uh, quite the character. She has such a story to, to look at her is it's, you know, you would never think that at age 14, she, um, in Vietnam, she joined the resistance against the French who were colonizing Vietnam at the time. And for 10 years, she fought in the jungle from 14 years old to 24 years old against the French. Yeah. So she was waterboarded. She was captured. I mean, you you name it. But um, she was the only surviving um, person who joined the resistance when she was 14. She went with many people, um, you know, like 50 other people and uh, everyone else died. Um, but it, recently I learned that she had a little band when they were in the jungle together and, um, they played mandolin and, um, and so I, you know, it's like all these years knowing your mother and you don't know that she was actually a musician at one time, you know, for maybe, maybe three or four years of her life, she had a little entourage that would entertain in the, you know, in the jungle while they're in between being bombed by the French and being raided and so forth. How did that come up in conversation? How did you find out about that? I I was talking about how much I love mandolins and, um, you know, pretty much all stringed instruments have, have me. And she said, oh, yes, I remember my mandolin. And it was like, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. And then she started telling me about these three other boys. They were younger. You know, what is she, 14, 15, 16? She's playing with this group. And then she told me this traumatic story about how it just, oh, it's probably not the right place for it, but oh my goodness, Martin Scorsese would want to film this, you know, it's, it's such a, such a deep, hard, difficult story. Um, You know, war always is. Did you already know about her participation at such a young age? Yes, I um I actually am writing uh, a screenplay about her life. Oh, wow. Um and uh I hope I mean it's another kind of daunting thing, but um cuz like the last project I tried to run away from it because every time I had visions of it it was like, "Oh my gosh, it's so complicated. Let me run away." So I feel the same way about her life story. It's um for me to really 
I won't fictionalize it completely, but I will elevate some of the stories. Um, but uh, yeah, she has, wow, nine times, 10 times, almost like she should have died. Wow. 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 So now let's come back to you as a young child. Did you, um, were you, tra- were you trained in these um, instruments that you learned to play? And also, did you pick them yourself or were they kind of like, hey, take this, give this one. Like I was given the clarinet, give the clarinet a whirl and I failed. I failed miserably. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> uh, yeah, violin is just because I saw my brother um, playing and he was, he just made that instrument sound so beautiful. And so he's nine years older than I and he, um, you know, I wanted to emulate everything. He did. Um, so that was definitely by choice. And I, I was classically trained. Um, I was in orchestras like um, for my entire youth. So it was, yeah, that's, it's kind of an extension of you when you spend over 10 years, six hours a day with something. You, uh, you don't have to think about it when you want to play. You hear something in your head, it just comes off the violin. And so you grow up and you start your career. And how did you start? What did you go for first in your career? Uh, in my career, I really wanted to be a musician and a songwriter, but I was um, very discouraged by my, primarily my mother, but, um, you know, um, that you would never really earn enough money to be happy. And so um, in an Asian, my mom's Asian and my dad is um, Caucasian. And um, my mom's kind of a tiger mom. So uh, she really encouraged me um, to um like be, you know, get a business degree, which is what I did. But, um, and eventually I couldn't stand it. So I started finding, um, editing film editing where you splice and you, you know, you run it through the, the sprockets and so forth. Um, so I found a job, um, at an aerospace company, um, uh, editing film and then eventually transitioning as technology moved towards video. I did linear editing with video and then nonlinear came out and, uh, I jumped on that. So, um, and then lots of classes for video editing. So that's, that's where I, my, my career went that path, but I was always writing music and I was always playing music, um, in bands and such. It's very practical. Your mother was very practical and yes. we'll, we'll give her that, um, mm-hmm. because that generation, like my parents, it's what made, you know, they knew, you know, you got a job and you stayed in the same job and stayed at the same company. Um, and you had bills and all those things. Now you and I met because our paths crossed uh, at one point and I knew you as an editor and you knew me as some sort of, in quotes, I have giant quotation marks I'm doing with my fingers, creative person, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> both <laughs> both working in marketing. But then most recently you have launched a new project and I'm going to get this right. The letters are I-M-L-A. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. And- and I want to tell everybody a little bit about it, and let's dive into what IMLA is all about. IMLA started out for me as um, knowing that I would probably be moving from a city that I had spent my entire life. I was born in Vietnam, but I came here when I was very young, and uh, or came here, meaning Los Angeles. Um, and I knew um, that eventually I would have to, to leave a place I was quite enamored with. And so I thought, oh, I, I ought to write a love song to this city. And then as I searched my soul about it, I realized, oh my goodness, my feelings for this place, it, it couldn't be just one song. And then it, you know, Los Angeles is a, it's the land of stories. And so I realized I wanted to write a screenplay 
And then that screenplay turned into that I wanted it to be a graphic novel. And then the graphic novel also had songs to it. So it became a musical graphic novel starting out as, you know, wanting to um, profess my love for uh, such a miraculous and uh, complicated city. So the story itself is around, is it three friends or four friends? It's four friends. And how do they meet? Um, They are all, um, they're all creative people and they are in um, a very, I call it a backwards town. I don't mean any harm about it, Um, but it's a town that doesn't see, um, it doesn't see their creative um, talents as anything worth caring about. So they're in a small town in Mississippi and they have these wide eyed dreams. They're teenagers or, you know, 18 to 20, but um, three of them are teenagers. And so they have big dreams that Los Angeles is the place for them to um, spread their wings. And they're sort of persecuted because they're all LGBTQIA um, community. And so um, they feel that they, they need to get away from such an oppressive place where they can't be themselves and they can't shine their light. And so the story is, you know, oh, with that naivete, you come to this city, this Los Angeles, and you think that you won't be oppressed, um, a different kind of oppression will be there. You'll be accepted and seen in some ways, but you might have to sell your soul in other ways. So um, there's that um, sort of um, Shailene Steele is the protagonist, and uh, it's her hero's journey where she goes to the dark night of soul and comes out the other side um, transformed and courageous. Don't be late. Check traffic on the 8th. It's 9.08 on WYLA. We have an overturned big rig across the 110. People are getting out of their cars on the freeway. Ooh, is that a food truck opening up for business? Okay, now I've seen everything. People are eating breakfast on the damn freeway. Estoy soñando. Mate, take me to Los Angeles Records. They need to hear my demo. Like, today... Shy, darling, you can see we're at a dead stop. Please try. Come on, let me over. Damn, this parking lot blows. I've done this myself, and I'm doing it right now, believe it or not. I had a TV pilot that blah, 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 got some love for a little while. For about a year, it died. So I transformed it into a screenplay got some love for a little time and it died. And now I'm working it into being a novel and I'm loving it as a novel because I love I love the ability that I can go anywhere, tell any timeline, tell any time in history. I can go underwater. I can go to the moon and no one can question me because mm-hmm. I'm writing a novel. So how, when you're going on this journey of transforming this into the final product of what it is now, what were the steps that took place and did it feel more right each time? You're like, oh, no, it's this. Oh, no, it's that. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the steps were, um, they're sort of, um, they reminded me of a friend beckoning me to go down this path you've never seen before and just trust me. Just take that step and don't care what the outcome is way down at the very, very end because that's too, it's too daunting. So just take this step right now. And the first step was, 
wow, I'm a video editor by my, you know, my profession. And here I am creating something that is static, you know, a graphic novel. Those are, um, those are pictures that tell a thousand words. So they're, they're moving the story along, but they're still, how do I, how do I enter the video world and, and have a person like not even have to read, not even have to look at those images to, to tell a story. Let me tell it to you live and like while you're watching it. So, um, I created these taking each image that my artist, um, fantastic artist, Amy Duarte, um, that each image she created for the graphic novel, I, um, videoized it. And then I asked, um, all my actor friends to voice different character parts for me. And so, in um, a videoized form, I have sound design. Um, like if you're in a car, you're hearing the sound and, of a car, or um, and then here you're also hearing the the conversations that you're seeing um, in the caption bubbles of the graphic novel. Miss, do you have an appointment? Otherwise, you can't be here. No, I, I was just dropping off my um, CD to your A and R department. <clears throat> Dropping off your CD? You obviously don't know anyone here, do you? Um, no, ma'am. Sorry, I, uh... I just thought no harm in getting my art to you, so... <laughs> A walk-in CD drop-off? Dear, oh dear. Vince, backwoods Betty here forgot what decade we're in. Please escort her back out to the gutter. <laughs> hey! It's several issues, yes? Is it, how many issues is it? Um, it's 11 chapters for one graphic novel. There's a, a link that you go to on YouTube that is my playlist, and so you don't have to do anything. You just press play once, and then it goes through the whole story um, from top to bottom. And then you get to hear all of the, the 10 songs, and one song is a remix. So it's a total of 11 songs and um, lots of sound design, voice acting, um, and then uh, all of, of course, Amy's um, beautiful drawings. What was the first song that you wrote for it? Uh, the first song I wrote um, was called Pandora's Inbox. Pandora is one of the characters, and she's getting emailed the... Um, the, the house that the four uh, ladies are going to be staying in in Los Angeles. Um, and so it's sort of like, this is what we've let out of the bag now. Pandora's Inbox is definitely um, was the, the first song I wrote. And do you have a favorite song that you wrote for it? I do. I have a song called um, Stargazer. 
I try in these 11 chapters to touch on as many phenomenons about Los Angeles, you know, everything from the Santa Anas uh, to the Hollywood sign, just all these sort of um, iconic um, moments. Do you still trust the universe like a child? Is your heart wide open, your imagination running wild? But Stargazer is about um, people who are like groupies and the whole, um, that whole energy about worshipping stars that I find is, is so, um, it's so painful for me to see, you know, we're all the same just because you're an actor or uh, whatever, you know, we can admire one another, but I see the phenomenon of groupies as being something like where you give up your light. So that's what that song is about. So why grow up just to give all your power At some point during the creation of all this, did you hit a point, as I often do, of self-doubt, of, is anyone even going to care? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I'm speaking to of myself and the many, many things I put out there like, does anyone? <laughs> yes. Am I just yelling into a void? Like, what is it? And, and then, so speak to that and... And how do you get through that? Oh, I think it's just um, Nina Simone has a quote, you know, it's an artist's duty to reflect the times. And um, if I just put that, you know, like on a, a map, you have that blue dot that means, you know, here you are. You just put that in your center and you are um, responsible just for how you feel about your art. Are you giving it your all? And um and so that's that's the thing. It's like, oh, I doubt anyone's really going to care about this. Sure, that goes through me so much, but it is not my animating. My it's not my um, my motivation. It doesn't stay with me long. You know, it's like a, a mosquito around my head that I shoo away and say it doesn't matter. My hope is that because a lot of this was about feeling so um, oppressed as a a gay person. And, um, I wanted to offer, and that's why it's a graphic novel is I wanted to offer it to youth that are gay LGBT. Um, I wanted to say, you're not alone. I love you. Please don't listen to the persecution, you know, just do your thing. And, and so it was, there was that in my heart as well as you got to shine your light for yourself. And secondarily, if this does help just one person, one one young person to say, you know what, I'm not going to listen to um, the hatred spewed at me. I'm going to be, you know, seeing my beauty and my light. Then it's all worth it. You know, that's that's why artists, I think, stick with things and see them through is because something is so worth it at the end of it. What has the response been so far? Really sweet. <laughs> I was braced and, and so nervous that... Um, that the anti-gay folks would come for me. Um, but it's just been very positive and, um, and, you know, the Trevor project is, uh, 
an organization I admire so deeply for all the work they do to encourage um, young people to not contemplate suicide, to, to see their own value and how much they're needed um, to heal this place. And, um, and so to focus the, every time I have a sale to focus donation of 75% to the Trevor project to keep helping our youth, um, not give up and don't listen to the, um, the madness. What would today may see? That's a nice little rhyme. <laughs> Quote me on that. What would today may say to eighteen-year-old May, um, specifically, and and how that relates to this project? Oh wow! Um, yeah, I think eighteen-year-old May from me today would need to hear um, that she is loved unconditionally. And that um, her best is always enough and um, that she matters. Is IMLA available on iTunes for purchase as well? Or is this a project that you, and and I'm not knocking you because this podcast you're listening to right now has no sponsors. It's absolutely free, people. And every project I've ever done, all my web series I did over the years, people are like, when are you going to monetize your web series? And I was like, monetize, eh? Tell me more about this this monetized thing that I apparently have no clue what a, what is about. Um, is it available? Is it a purchase thing, or is it is it something that you're just doing to put it out there? Uh, yeah, it's available for purchase on every um, every service that sells um, a media. Uh, so iTunes, uh, Amazon Music, and also for those who don't like to purchase, I made sure that um, it's on Spotify and. Pandora and every kind of streaming service. So if a person subscribes to that, they can hear that for free or whatever their, their terms are. So, um, but if, if they do purchase it, I, I see once every season, um, what, what the money is. And then I, um, allocate 75% to the Trevor project. Oh, that's great. And that's also great what you just said, because I think a lot of teens who might not have the finances mm-hmm. and or might not want to, you know, may not be ready to have their lives out there, even on their phone. You know, I, I all the fears I had as a kid of being found out as a gay kid, you know, I could only imagine you know, if you're you know worrying about every single thing that's on your phone. So it's great that they have the opportunity to just, you know, go to it as they need um, and see fit. I think that's really amazing. Is this a project that is going to have future stories and future versions? Um, definitely. In a, probably in about two or three months, I will um, begin shopping it to see if there is any interest in turning it into something. Um, whether it's a, a you know a series on the web or something more like television. Um, and if it does have any interest, then all, all the characters, especially, I think there's six of them that I could see expanded out into, um, storylines that are more complex and, um, juicy. So, <laughs> uh, we, we shall see, but yeah, in a few months I will be, um, starting, starting up with, um, sort of like showrunner types, um, to see what they think. Would you be changing cities and be like, I am and why, or would you be changing the language to like you are LA? Look at me. I'm filled with ideas. I think you're a creative type here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, open to everything. I know it just, the more hands and, and eyes that, uh, you know, want to creatively develop this, 
I'm, I'm so curious to see what, um, what, what could happen from it. Well, I end these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know the answers to all of them. I'll give you the easiest one first. And you're going to answer it in two ways for me. Where do people find you? And where do people, remind them again, find IMLA? Plug away. So you can find IMLA if you go to my website, mayedwards.com, M-A-E-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. And you can also go on YouTube and search it out, i.m.l.a, and you should find it there. And you, where do we find you? Oh, I'm also on my website. Um, (laughs) Is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah. Or um, social media wise. Oh, yes, definitely. So I'm also Moonchild May on Instagram and May like May West, who I adore. And um, I'm also on Facebook, May Edwards. Question number two, who inspires you? Wow. Ah, hmm. I don't know if it's uh, just one person. Um, I'm studying a lot of uh, hermetic Kabbalas, Kabbalism, and it is um, quite it's esoteric and uh, wonderful. I'm reading a book right now by um, Aleister Crowley called uh, Book of Toth, and um, it's quite uh, sort of like an ordering of the universe of um, comprehending the uh, complexities, um, yet so clearly designated and um it's like the incomprehensible sort of comprehended so that's what's inspiring me right now and finally the final question it can um, reflect back to anything we spoke of already or anything you want to tell me really simple tell me something good I think in our country, the um, the sort of um, intensity and uh, perhaps negativity that we have been seeing in the news, um, what is this overlay that sort of um, is the assuaging, the the um, calming, the uplifting, is how kind I notice we are all being to one another. In light of what we see around us, we almost can't believe, say the news today, I noticed that my neighbors, um, my friends, we are all gentler and softer and more compassionate to one another. As a result of things that shock us, we have really taken the high road and um, that is something that makes me smile every day. Thank you, May, for sharing your good. All the music and all the clips you've heard in this episode are right from May's project, IMLA. Check it out on her website, on YouTube, on iTunes. It is good stuff. Next time on World Gone Good. Life at any moment could just slap the shit out of you. And it did that everybody in 2020 and a lot of people really didn't like how that felt not that any of us enjoy getting you know punched in the face but some of us have put ourselves into positions where you're ready for things like that to happen and you have a plan for how you are going to bounce back 
Live Better's Jason Lobig went surfing one day in Mexico and something really bad happened that he found a way to turn into something really good. I hope you'll join us for this inspiring conversation that is literally about getting back up again and living better. Until then, be good. <laughs>